All right, Grace Point, I, man, I tell you, I could just shoot off and take off. But Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, give us wisdom and revelation and understanding in the scriptures and in the word of God. I pray, uh, Lord, enlighten our hearts. This is a very controversial topic for many, Lord. And I do want to handle the word of God properly. Uh, I want to rightly divide it, Lord. That's my prayer. And I pray that people see my heart. And Lord, if someone disagrees with me, Lord, I'm not going to fight with somebody about this. It's not worth fighting about. Uh, but I know what you showed me, what I believe you showed me, Father. Help me to teach it clearly. Grant us wisdom and revelation. Help us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, last week I was showing you it just how under the law, Deborah was a judge of Israel. She led the whole country. And she gave orders to the whole men, women, and children. Paul had stated in 1 Corinthians 14, he said that women, women should submit to their husbands, as also says the law. And, and, and the law, the wife was under the authority, or the woman was under the authority of her husband. She wasn't under the authority of every man. And it's clear and in the context of 1 Corinthians, where Paul was bringing order, he's telling that women should not usurp the authority of their husbands. They need to be under his authority. He's talking about husbands and wives. I had mentioned that the Greek word for wife and woman is the same. The Greek word for husband and man is the same. Man, aner, or A-N-E-R, husband, man. And so you go by the context, and it's clear because under the law, there was a judge that led all of Israel, and gave commandments. Her name was Deborah, and she was under the authority of Lapidoth, her husband. There was also a proph prophetess named Huldah, and she prophesied to men and women. She, she said, thus saith the Lord. She was speaking for the Lord. Now, it's not like God used women in the Old Testament, but now in this liberating, freeing, uh, good news, all of a sudden he's clamping down on women. No way, no way, quite the opposite. And then I also mentioned Miriam. She was a leader in the ecclesia, the church in the wilderness. The, the word church just means ecclesia or the assembly, the gathering. And she spoke out in the gatherings. Holda spoke out. Deborah spoke out. They all spoke out in the ecclesia or in the gatherings, okay? And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 that women were praying and prophesying they just needed to be under the authority of their husbands or under his covering. The same thing he's saying in chapter 14. Now, uh, I want to bring out one more Old Testament prophetess. Flip with me to Luke. And I say Old Testament because even though it's in the Gospels, Jesus had not died. He had not been buried or raised from the dead yet. The new covenant was not enforced. So here's another prophetess in the Old Covenant, and I'm, I'm in Luke chapter 2 and verse 36. Listen to this. There was also a prophetess, Anna. She was the daughter of Phanuel. She was from the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. She had been a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, served God night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, 
she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So she began to speak out to all those that were listening in the temple. She was a prophetess. Isn't that something? Now, this is in the gospel. So here's still another woman that's called a prophetess, and she's a woman. It mentions her husband, but he had died years ago, so she served God in the temple. Very interesting, isn't it? Okay. Now, you might say, well, that's good, Brad, but there's no New Testament women that are prophetess, right? Because you could say Anna was an Old Testament prophetess, right? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. You want an honest answer. You're very open-minded to the Scriptures. You're willing to be led by God. And if the Word has women prophets in the New Testament, you'll yield to that, won't you? Because, you, you know, well, then flip over to Acts 21, Acts 21 and verse 9. Acts 21. Oh, if you haven't listened to the other teachings, you need to go back and start where I start teaching on women speaking in the church. You got to listen to the whole thing because I've been building a case on this. I want you to see it. To me, it's gotten clearer and clearer the more I study it. And I used to be totally biased against women preaching or speaking in the church. And I, I believe the Lord showed me uh, something different. Let's look at this. This is in Acts 21.9. It said, um, this man, it's Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And uh, Acts, in a better translation, but they prophesied. Do you see that? What were they? If women weren't allowed to speak in the ecclesia, the assembly, why were these young girls prophesying? Um, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And I think the King James says, who were prophets or prophetess, okay? And then he says, after he had been there a while, several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And then Agabus prophesied. And that was a personal uh, prophecy there. So now we have uh, Philip's daughters were prophets, prophetess, and they prophesied. Isn't that something? So now we have women prophesying. And that's not surprising one bit, because if you go to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and you read, I just want to get the verses right, in verse 18, actually I'm going to go to verse 17, and it shall be in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, then your sons and your daughters will what? prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days. Both men and women shall prophesy. Isn't that amazing? So it's very clear. And, and that word prophesy, it, often it's, it's inspired utterance. It's like preaching. You get up and prophesy. It's inspired utterance. and God, So God was going to pour His Holy Spirit out on men and women, and women in the New Testament were going to prophesy. And flip over to me now uh, to Revelation. I thought this was really interesting. I believe the Lord showed me this. Revelation 2.20. People uh, often like to bring up old Jezebel, okay? 
you know, she was a Jezebel in the Old Testament was a prophetess, but she was a false prophetess. She wasn't wrong because she was a woman prophet. She was wrong because she prophesied falsely. Look at this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Jesus says, I have this against you, brothers. Uh, you tolerate, I know I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servant to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her a time to repent, but she did not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Jesus did not give her time to repent of calling herself a prophetess. He gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. It wasn't the fact that she was a prophet that was wrong. Jesus was correcting her or bringing, she was prophesying falsely. She was a false prophet. She said she was a prophetess, but she wasn't. And she was teaching people to sin. So it wasn't the fact that she was a woman. That's not why he corrected her, because she was prophesying falsely, and she was guilty of sexual immorality. And that's why Jesus corrected her. This would have been a great chance for Jesus to say, because she's a woman and she can't prophesy, as also says the law. <laughs> Do you get it? Amen. I hope you, I saw that. I thought that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So flip back. We've gone over this um, really clearly in all of this, where the word of God clearly says that uh, there's women prophesying everywhere. Flip over to, uh, yeah, I've already gone over 11.5. So flip back over to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's kind of tie this up. We talked about Deborah being a judge and a ruler over men, and she gave orders as a woman. We talked about Anna being a prophetess and speaking to the men and women in the temple. We talked about Acts uh, chapter uh, 2, where men and women were prophesying, and even Acts chapter 1, verse 14, uh, the tongues fell on men and women. There were men and women gathered together of the 120 and tongues fell on all of them. Let, let me go over there. I, I, I kind of missed going over. Let me go over there. In Acts chapter, um, I'm sorry for being a little disjointed here. There's so much to go over. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 14, it says, they were continually united in the temple, and they were praying along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay, so they were all together, men and women, in the temple, worshiping and praising God. And then it says in Acts chapter 2, 4, then they were all filled, that's men and women, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so there were men and there were women, they were all praying out in tongues, not just the men, but the women also were baptized in the Spirit, and the women also were praying out in tongues, and they were preaching, and they were magnifying God, and all these different nations were hearing men and women preaching. Amen? Do you see it? And magnifying God. They were doing it in tongues, but they were all doing it, men and women, all preaching and prophesying. And then Peter says in chapter 2, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, your sons and daughters, your daughters included, would prophesy. So it's obvious that men and women are prophesying, preaching, and declaring. Isn't 
that awesome. So let's go back then into chapter, and okay, so back into our review. Miriam was a prophetess, Huldah was a prophetess, Anna was a prophetess, Jezebel was a false prophetess in the New Testament, and then Philip had four daughters who were prophets, and that's in Acts chapter 21, and they prophesied. Pretty convincing, isn't it? And in 1 Corinthians 11, I know it's a little disjointed, I'm sorry. In 1 Corinthians 11, then all the women were encouraged to pray and prophesy, prophesy, just be under the authority of your husband. All right. Let me continue on then, and we'll, we'll, we'll finish this up. If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but let everything be done decently and in order. And this is my whole point that I'm bringing up in this chapter, and I'll tie it off here. Paul is saying, everyone can prophesy. He's already said that, men and women. Up there in verse 31, you can all prophesy, and clearly that includes women. And he's telling them down here in verse 39 that you can all prophesy and don't forbid to speak in tongues. He says that everything should be done decently in order. So if you're prophesying, the woman obviously is under the order, under the authority of her husband. The wife is under the authority of her husband. Be in order. Women, be in order. You're under the authority of your husband. If you're going to speak in tongues, he says, don't forbid to speak in tongues. Everything should be done decently and in order. If you're going to speak in tongues, have an interpreter. Now, to me, it's very, very clear, even though when you first read it, in most translations, it appears like Paul's saying that all women are under the authority of all men. Therefore, uh, women can't uh, prophesy or speak out in church. And that's clearly not the case at all in this matter. I could go on more and teach on this more, but I'm just going to end it right there. Uh, that's been an awesome teaching. There's more you could get into. I'll just leave it right there. I'll leave well enough alone. All right, we'll pick up right there in chapter 15 next week.